0: Good morning. Today is Wednesday, April 13th, 2022. Let me mention several features of the Passover Seder that we're all familiar with, but that actually have an unspoken common denominator. Four cups of wine. Carpas, where we take a vegetable and dip it into salt water. Yachatz, where we take the middle matzah and we break it in half. We've all heard about and we know the reasons for these components of the Seder. They all relate to Yitzias Mitzrayim, to the exodus from Egypt. And we discuss those associations as we go through the Seder every year. But there are several commentators, including Rabbi J.J. Schachter, Rabbi Chaim Schaffner and others who suggest that there is another person, another narrative, another theme that is actually central to the Seder. It's evident in the places that I mentioned plus many other places which I am not mentioning today for time. It is never mentioned directly or overtly, but it is rather hovering at the periphery of our awareness on Pesach. And we would do well, especially this year at the Seder, to focus directly on this person, this narrative, and this theme. And let me begin with what seems like an unnecessary and extraneous comment in the Gemara, in the Talmud. Remember, in the time of the Beit HaMikdash, when the Holy Temple was standing in Jerusalem, on the afternoon before Pesach, the Karbam Pesach, the Paschal offering, would be offered. And that would be a group that would send a representative to the Beit HaMikdash, the Holy Temple, and they would offer this animal as an offering they would bring that animal home and that animal would be roasted and prepared and that would serve as the centerpiece of the Seder. We do not have the Carbon Pesach, the Paschal offering today, but we have symbolic representations of it and we refer to it at our Seder. Talmud says something very interesting. How do you carry home this small animal that you have shechted that you've slaughtered in the base amigdash how do you carry it home so the talmud says tana kol echad ve echad nosen pischo l'achorav. every person would take the animal that they had shechted and they would sling it over their shoulder in order to carry it home. Amarav um, Elish, Rav Elish explains that the way that they would do it was tayyaos. What does the word tayyos mean? So Rashi explains, tayyaos means derech Sochrim Yishma'elim Huzer. The way that Yishma'elite merchants would carry their merchandise over one shoulder. Now that's a strange detail. First of all, what does it matter how you carry home the animal from the Beis Hamikdash to your home? You carry it however you carry it, however you get it there. And second of all, why the significance of carrying it in a way that resembles Ishmaelite merchants? That's a strange detail that the Talmud tells us. Sir Rabbi Shlomo Kluger, one of the great scholars of the previous century, asked the following question. Number one, what does it matter how you carry it home? And number two, why make an explicit reference to Ishmaelite merchants? And he suggests that our Pesach story, that we start with the Haggadah, we're starting in the middle of the story. We're not starting at the beginning on Pesach night. We're starting with the servitude of the Jewish people in Egypt and then the redemption from Egypt, but nowhere in the Haggadah do we talk about how we got there. And therefore, the way that a person would bring home the carbon Pesach and the way that they would carry it carry it was a deliberate reenactment of the behavior of the Ishmaelite merchants who were responsible for Yosef's arrival in Egypt. Remember, Yosef's brothers were jealous of him. And first they plotted to kill him, but then they decided to sell him to slavery and they sold him, and he was carried by Yishmaelite merchants to Egypt. In other words, the way that we would carry this animal home from the base of Migdish to our home to prepare for the Seder was not just preparation, it wasn't just the preamble, it's the first act. The Yosef story belongs at the Seder to help us focus on how we got there because Yosef was there and then he rose to power and then there was a famine and then the brothers came and learned eventually that he was Yosef and then Yaakov and his entire family moved to Egypt. That's how we ended up in Egypt. We're all familiar. We all know at the Seder there are four cups of wine. Why are there four cups of wine at the Seder? We all know the answer, and the answer is given in the Talmud. Minayim ledaledkosos. Why are there four cups of wine at the Seder? Rabbi Yochanan teaches us, keneged arba ge'ulos. It corresponds to the four words God uses in speaking to Moshe that describe the redemption from Egypt. Four stages of redemption, four aspects of redemption, the four cups of wine recall our redemption from Egypt, our slavery. We're all familiar with that. But the Talmud continues with a second explanation. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Omer. Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi gives a second reason, which maybe we're not so familiar with, but it's just four lines after the first reason in the Talmud. It corresponds to the four times the word cup, kos, cup is used in the dream that Yosef was asked to interpret while Yosef was a slave, a prisoner in the prison of Paro. And the wine steward came to him with a dream. And the dream had to do with the wine steward filling and holding and serving the cup of wine to Paro. And Rabbi Yeshua Ben Levi says, the word "coast" cup, is mentioned four times. Okay, this is in a parenthesis. The word cup is actually mentioned five times in that passage, but that's a subject for another time. Says Rabbi Shubin Levi, that's why we have four cups of wine at the Seder. What's the connection? Why at the Seder should we remember the way that Yosef interpreted the dream doesn't have anything to do apparently with redemption, with exodus. Karpas. We take a vegetable and we dip it. Why do we have karpas? There are many reasons for karpas and we will discuss them at the Seder. Rabbi Manoach, one of the commentators to the Haggadah, offers a unique perspective. Karpas is not at the Seder as a sign of wealth and freedom. Remember, in the Manishtana, the four questions, we say on all other nights we don't dip a food into another food even once. But tonight we do it twice, which seems to indicate that dipping one food into another is a sign of Wealth and freedom and extravagance, having dipping sauces. That's something that's really fancy. Rabbi Manoach says no, it means something different when it comes to Karpas. It recalls, it reenacts the dipping of the coat of Yosef into blood when the brothers had sold Yosef into slavery and then came back to their father. And what are they gonna to say to their father? Yaakov, what happened to your brother Yosef? And they make up this story, this false story, that Yosef was killed by a wild animal. And in order to make the story credible, they took Yosef's special garment, the Xones Pasim, the coat of many colors that Yaakov had made for his son Yosef. And they took that coat and they dipped it into the blood of an animal. And they said, see father, do you recognize this garment? And Yaakov saw this garment, which he knew belonged to Yosef. And he saw that it was dipped in blood and he assumed his son Yosef had been killed by a wild animal. Now you may think that this connection is a little far-fetched. But listen to this. It's absolutely incredible. We know the garment worn by Yosef given to him by his father was Xones Pasim. What does the word ksones pasim mean? Ksones, a garment, pasim. We often translate it as many colors, but that's not what Rashi says. Rashi says pasim means a garment of fine wool. It was a very high-quality garment. And Rashi, in order to prove that the word pasim means fine wool says just like the word karpas. The word karpas appears in the Torah one time in the book of Esther. Chur karpas The word karpas is in the book of Esther. And there it means fine wool. Karpas means fine wool, the only time it's mentioned. And so according to Rashi, the word Karpas specifically and explicitly refers to the garment of fine wool that had been given to Yosef. And so we dip a vegetable into the salt water. We call it karpas to remind us of what happened to Yosef at the hands of his brothers. Yachatz. There are three matzos at the Pesach Seder. We take the middle matzo and we break it. The smaller piece we leave on the Seder plate And the larger piece, we wait and use it as the afikomen. It's the last thing that we will eat in the evening. Why do we break the middle matzah? And there are many reasons for breaking the middle matzah. And at your seder, I am sure you will hear many reasons why we break the middle matzah. But one reason is, We remember the family of Yaakov symbolized by the whole matzah that was broken. With the enmity between Yosef and his brothers and their selling him into slavery, Yaakov's family was broken. It was not whole. This is, in fact, a different reading of those famous words we say, and many of us sing, avadim hayinu LeParo b'mitzrayim. We were slaves to Paro in Egypt. Who are we referring to? Well, we normally assume we're referring to the Jewish people. We were slaves to Paro in Egypt. And it certainly is true that it applies to the entire Jewish people. We were slaves to Paro in Egypt. But it started with one person. It started with one individual, Yosef, who was the first slave to Pyro in Egypt. And there are many, many other references, oblique, but referenced nonetheless throughout the Haggadah to Yosef and to his experience. Why? Well, one answer is like Rabbi Shlomo Kluger gives us to set the scene. We have to remember what happened to Yosef because that's how we got there. That is the beginning of the story. There's a second answer that is suggested by Rabbi J.J. Schachter, and that is Yosef was sold to slavery. He was a prisoner of Paro. And eventually he rose to become second in command of all of Egypt. But Yosef's redemption was very different than the redemption of the Jewish people at the time of the Exodus. We contrast in the Four Cups, according to the Talmud, the four expressions of redemption that God said to Moshe that took place at the Exodus, that's one model of redemption. That's a redemption that was dramatic. It was powerful, it was unambiguous, it was miraculous, supernatural. We say in the Haggadah, Anival God says, I am going to do it myself, not an angel. Not a seraph, not an emissary. I myself will take you out of Egypt, God says to the Jewish people. And that's what happens. That's one model of redemption. But Rabbi J.J. Schachter points out the experience of Yosef, which was also a redemption, but it was very different. It was complicated. It was circuitous. Yosef was the favorite of his father, but then served the, suffered the jealousy of his brothers. He was about to be killed by them and then sold into slavery. But then he rose in Potiphar's home. But then he was accused by Potiphar's wife and sent to prison. But then he was taken from prison and made second in command of all of Egypt. The Yosef story is a tale of ups and downs, highs and lows, progress and retreat, dejection and great success. It is a tale of redemption, but very different than the redemption of Exodus. We invoke Yosef and his story and his particular road to redemption in order to remind us that the road to redemption is not necessarily neat and clean and smooth and supernatural. It can also be complicated and messy and problematic with setbacks. I've shared with you before, and this is essential to our experience at the Seder, that all of us, this Friday night at the Seder and Saturday night for us at the second Seder outside of Israel, we seek our own personal redemption. We want to feel redeemed From so many of the challenges that we face with health, with supporting ourselves, with relationships, perhaps with our children or our parents. We want to feel secure, but it's not easy. We also face national redemption that we certainly will discuss this year at the Seder. But who could have believed just a few years after, God forbid, the Holocaust that today, Jews in many parts of the world face violent anti-Semitism again? Who could have believed that After all we went through with the founding of the State of Israel, that today, so many years later, in Israel, we face ongoing challenges, threats of terrorism, even existential threats to our existence. And we need to be reminded that there are different models of redemption. Not only the more familiar model of Pesach of the supernatural miracles that God himself will do it straight, direct, supernaturally, miraculously. But we also have to invoke Yosef in his story. Because redemption, even when there are challenges, even when there are setbacks, we must not despair. The road to redemption unfolds. This is also part of redemption. This is also part of the process of redemption. And we must use Yosef's story, especially on Pesach, never to despair, never to give up hope, because we are on that road to redemption even if it is Yosef's model, not the direct one we wish we were on. And then finally, a third relevance from Rabbi Chaim Schaffner, another very practical reason for remembering Yosef and his story at the Seder. We tell the story of slavery and redemption on Pesach. But we must at the same time tell the story of the strife between Yosef and his brothers. And we must commit ourselves to bringing families back together. We reenact the encounters with Yosef and his brothers in order that we can recreate the peace and ultimately the harmony that was reached because that disharmony, that breaking of the matzah, that was the cause for which we went to Egypt in the first place, that needless hatred within families that has been the cause of all of our exiles and fixing that will be the cause of our redemption we do break that matzah at the beginning but we need to try before pesach starts through the telling of the story and how we act afterwards to recognize the harm that the division within our families cause and commit to healing it. My friends, I want to wish you a great day. And I look forward to seeing all of you soon in person.